And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Turn to Matthew, the second chapter, Matthew chapter 2. As you're turning, let me remind you that we've got a couple of things that are getting ready to start Next Sunday, January 5th, as, as Pastor Zach mentioned, we kick off our 21-day grace fast, our Daniel fast, and we ask that everybody plan to participate in this fasting and prayer in some degree. Jesus says, and when you fast, not if you fast. There's something that happens by fasting and prayer. Fasting doesn't change God, but it changes me. And dear ones, how many of you know we need to let the Holy Spirit work on us? We've got two booklets that will help you the Pray First booklet, as well as the Grace Fast, we encourage you to pick these up at guest services. They'll be available. Then on the 15th of January, that's a Wednesday night, I want you to write it on your calendars because we were asking everybody to come, even if you don't normally come to a midweek service or a midweek small group. We ask everybody to come because we're going to do two things. The first of all, we're going to be looking at, at our Constitution and bylaws, and our board is making some recommended changes. It hasn't been updated since 19. 1981, okay? And so we need, we've got some changes. We just need to update some things. And then Hayes Laird is going to be with us. Hayes is our architect, and he's going to update everybody on our plans to renovate around here. We've been working with the city and learning what we can and can't do. And so we want to update you on all of that. Then at the end of this month, January 26th through the 29th, we're going to have our Holy Spirit Encounter Services. Ronald Gray is going to be with us, and then Brother Steve Sampson will be with us. You don't want to miss those. Put it on your calendar. It's going to be exciting. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm talking to you today about left behind, left behind. I think it's interesting to me that, that if everything that Mary could have told Luke about the childhood of Jesus, that she chose to include a story where she and Joseph lose our Lord. Have you ever lost one of your children? Would you ever like to lose your children? I remember we had taken our three girls shopping and our youngest Kristen was about two and a half, three years of age. And uh, Kathy had the older two in her dressing room and she said, Terrell, your assignment is to watch the baby. So I'm, I'm watching her. She's a toddler. She's quite active. And so she's running all around the store. And I took my eyes off her for one second, and I turned around, and I couldn't find her. Man, I looked everywhere. I got the managers involved. They got security involved. We sent security officers to every door in the mall to make sure nobody was kidnapping a, a precious little two-and-a-half-year-old. 45 minutes we looked. She had crawled up under a clothing rack and taken a nap. Well, Joseph and Mary experienced losing a child. We're going to start at verse 39, Matthew chapter 2. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee in their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew, talking about Jesus, he grew and became strong in spirit filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. You know, as you think about New Year's resolutions, as you think of ways to pray as we're entering the year 2020, these are three things that you can make a matter of prayer. Number one, he grew strong in spirit. You see, your spirit is that which 
that part of you that's eternal. Your spirit is the part of you that will go to heaven one day. It's your spirit person that's changed. When you invite Jesus Christ to live in your life, your spirit man is born again. We often will say, invite Jesus into your heart. Well, you're not talking about this this muscle here that's beating right now. You're talking about the very core of your being, your spirit man. The apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, though the outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You have an outward man and an inward man. And dear ones, it's important that you say, God, I want to be strong in spirit in 2020. I want my spirit person to be strong. Not only that, but he also was filled with wisdom. He had an understanding of how to appropriately apply knowledge. And that's a good thing to pray for as well. And it says, and the grace of God was upon him. The favor of God was upon him. Jerry, it's good to see your family from Texas. That's just realized who you were. Good to see you guys. He grew in favor and the grace of God was upon him. Dear ones, you can grow in the grace of God. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, my son, be strong in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we're strong in grace, we're strong in the Holy Ghost. When you're strong in grace, you're strong in the anointing. When you're strong in grace, you've got a good sense of who you are and where you're going and how you're going to get there through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Then it says in verse 41, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. Now note that phrase, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know. No, see, they presumed that Jesus was with some of their relatives because there was a whole group of people. There were probably hundreds of people that caravan together. It was 100 miles to travel from, from the northern part up near the Galilee where Nazareth is. It was 100 miles to travel down to Jerusalem. And they had all traveled down together. They had camped together. They were having a great time. Jesus had been with his brothers and with his sister and with his cousins perhaps. And, and they just assumed that he was with everybody else. They traveled one day, about 20 miles, I guess, and they realized, hey, Jesus is not with us. What are we going to do? Dear ones, you want to make sure throughout 2020 that the manifest presence of Jesus is active in your life. I talk about the manifest presence of the anointing and the glory of God. See, the Bible says, Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. He says, I'm going to send a comforter who's going to be with you forever. Thank God for the omnipresence of God. Thank God that he's with us. He's with us today. He's with Christians around this world. But there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. When you're enjoying the manifest presence of God, you're walking in love and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. When you're enjoying the manifest presence of God, I love that song in the garden because he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the spirit is bearing witness in your heart that God's right there. But everybody look at me. All of us have had times where we felt like God was a million miles away. 
We've all experienced times that, that, that we, we, we've called on the Lord and our prayers don't seem to be getting above the ceiling. And that's one of the reasons it's important that we stir up the gift of God that is within us, that we stir up when you became a Christian, when you believed on Christ, the Holy Spirit also comes to live inside you. And you can have what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and literally have rivers of living water welling up inside you. But dear ones, it's so important, especially, especially when things are not going well. It's so important that you stir up the gift of God that is within you. And I want to just suggest to you that, that one of the ways that you'll stir up the gift of God is by loving on Jesus. It's by loving on God. You say, Pastor, I, I still don't know if I quite get all this. Well, you know, when we lived in the Chicago area, we had a real eye-opener. We had a lot of eye-openers, but the first one was when we went to a restaurant and we ordered iced tea, and they brought it, and it was not sweet. How many of you know God drinks sweet iced tea? Yeah. In the South, you get sweet iced tea. Amen? Man, we'd say, well, I don't want this. I want sweet. Well, we don't have sweet iced tea, sir. Nobody serves sweet iced tea up there. You have to sweeten it. You have to put some sugar in it or to put some sweet and low in it. The problem is that if you sweeten it after it's already been brewed, it's hard to keep it sugared. It's hard to keep it sweet. And so you sweeten it and you stir it up and you take a sip and then you see those little granules going down to the bottom of the glass. And so you'd have to stir it up again and then take a drink and stir it up again. Well, dear ones, sometimes, especially when you, when you first get going, you know, the gravitational pull of the earth, it takes over a half. You know, when, when NASA sends a spacecraft up into orbit, it takes half of the energy, takes half of the rockets just to pull out of earth's gravitational pull. And dear ones, sometimes if you've not been stirring up the gift of God in your life, man, if you've just been sitting around watching the Hallmark channel, if you've just been sitting around watching football games, thank God Clemson won, amen. Although I'll get mean letters from the Ohio State fans. It may be a little hard. Your flesh may not want to be stirred. But you may have to push yourself and say, Lord, I'm just going to love on you. I'm going to love you, Jesus. You know, I, I remember a man who came to me, and this has happened, it's happened several times with men and with women, but this man came to me one day. He said, Pastor Terrell, he says, my marriage is in trouble. I don't feel like I love my wife anymore. And I don't think she feels like she loves me. Pastor, I'm really concerned. We've got two children. I don't see any, any easy answers. And I said, you don't feel like you're in love anymore. And he says, no, I don't feel like I love her. And you don't feel like she loves you. No, I don't feel like she loves me. Pastor, what should I do? And I was quiet for a few minutes. And I finally said, what you need to do is love her. He didn't say a word. He said, Pastor, I just told you I don't feel in love with her, and she doesn't feel in love with me. What you need to do, I said, is love her. Pastor, <clears throat> I've tried to make this clear to you. I don't know what's going on in your head. 
but I've told you, I don't feel like I'm in love with her. And she doesn't feel like she's in love with me and we're in trouble and I've come to you for some help. What should we do? I said, you need to love her. And he's shaking his head by now. I said, my friend, love, Hollywood has made love a feeling. But love is really a verb. It's an action word. If you really love somebody, you remember Jesus or John the Baptist said, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. When a person really gets saved, when they really repent, their life changes. When you really love somebody, dear ones, it's not just in what you say. It's so much more in what you do. It's so much more in your attitude. If you feel like you're married to somebody that you don't feel like you love anymore, then you've got to change what you're doing. I said that means you've got to find ways to serve her. You've got to find ways to compliment her. You've got to speak kindly to her. You can't be getting angry. You can't be calling her a dummy. You, you, you got to find ways to affirm her. You've got to find ways to build her up. You know, dear ones, we've, we've had, I've known people who are from other countries and other cultures who were part of arranged marriages. Now, I thank God we don't have arranged marriages here in the States. But they did not know each other. But many years previous, their mama and daddy had agreed, one day our little girl is going to marry your little boy. And they paid the dowry, and so it happened. So they got married, so they found themselves married to strangers. And I had this man come to me one day. He says, I cannot stand my wife. By this time, they had moved to the United States, obviously. He says, I can't stand my wife. She can't stand me. It's an arranged marriage. We're in trouble. You know what I said? Love her. How can I love her? I don't even like her. <laughs> love her. In other words, see love as a verb, as an action word. When you love somebody, you're going to sacrifice for them. When you love somebody, you're going to prefer them. When you love somebody, you're going to do everything in your power to be gracious to them. When you love somebody, you're going to, you're going to make them, you're going to put them on a pedestal. When you love somebody, you're going to do whatever you can to be a blessing to them. Do you know he started doing that? And she began to reciprocate. Today, I just heard from them over the holidays. They are happily married and they are in love and they've got kids and God has put it together. Hallelujah. Have you ever wondered why Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, about verses 42 following, he's teaching on the Beatitudes. He says, these are the attitudes I want you to have. Have you ever wondered why he said that when it comes to dealing with enemies, he says, I want you to love your enemies and bless them and do good and pray for them. Is it because he wants us to get beat up by bad people? I don't think so. I think Jesus knows that love is an action. And see, the moment I begin praying in earnest for another person, not praying one of those God get them prayers, but praying, God bless them. God bless their socks off. 
God bless their health and their marriage and their finances and their job and their children and their, and their, their, their retirement planning and their, their finances and every, their investments, everything they're doing, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. When I do that in earnest, see, God begins to change my heart because Jesus says there's two ways that we prove that we love him. We love him. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So every time I take God's word and I apply it to my life, every time I put my face in the book, the original Facebook, every time I put my face in the book and I obey the face, the, the book, what it's saying, you know what? I'm telling to Jesus, I'm saying, I love you. I love you, Lord God. And it always works together for my good. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, and, I love that conjunction, and you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Because when I start loving somebody else like I love me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to love you a lot because I really love me. And if I love you like me, see, we go through life. We judge other people by their actions, but ourselves by our intentions. And if I'm really loving you, boy, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. If you do something that doesn't come across altogether good, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. If you say something I don't understand, if you say something that even wounds me and hurts me, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I love you. And Jesus said, if you really love me, you're going to love other people. I've even had preachers come to me and say, well, Terrell, you know, I really love God. It's just people. It's just people. People can be difficult. People can be demanding. People can bring stress into your life. People can hurt you. People can disappoint you. People can, can make you wish you'd never met them. So what does Jesus say? Love them, bless them, do good, and pray for them. Why? Because it gives the kindness of God a chance to work in their life. And that's what brings them to repentance. And it gives the Holy Ghost a chance to work in you and me and make us a whole lot more like Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. So, we want to stay stirred. We don't want to lose that fellowship of the Holy Spirit at all in 2020. Verse 44. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Read that again with me. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Dear ones, here's the truth. You and I can move ahead of God and not even know it. When's the last time the Holy Spirit moved in your life? When's the last time the Spirit of God brought, brought a breakthrough in your own life? It's so easy to move ahead of God and not even know it. It's easy to, to kind of be like Samson. You remember Samson said, I'm going to stir myself and the anointing is going to make the difference and I'll just do like I've always done. But Samson presumed 
on the anointing of God. He, he was a man, remember an angel that appeared to his mama and prophesied to his mama, you're going to have a son, he's going to be a deliverer, he's going to be a Nazarite, you're to take a Nazarite vow. That means that Samson was called to live a life of holiness, separated unto the Lord. But you know what? Samson was a man that refused to discipline his passions. He was always jumping in bed with this one or that one. I remember some years ago, there was a, a very popular television evangelist who was married with kids. He was caught sleeping with a prostitute. And he got on television and he asked the world to forgive him. And I think most people were willing to forgive him. The problem was that six months later, he was caught with a second prostitute. And when asked about it, he says, well, I thought that the anointing, I thought that the power of God in my life would, would make a difference and would help me with character issues. Dear ones, the anointing does not take care of your passions. You got to work on your character. Your character is the sum total of the habits you've developed and the choices that you make in life. And you and I have to work on our character if we're going to be people of integrity, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.22, he said, flee youthful lust. Flee youthful passions. Run straight to the throne of grace. Be honest, say, God, I'm having trouble. Lord, there's lust in my heart. God, I'm having trouble. I'm being tempted sexually. God, I come to you because I need your help and I need your grace. Not only that, but find a trusted friend, a Christian friend that you can go to and say, hey, my brother, hey, my sister, I want you to keep this in confidence, but I'm really struggling in this area of my life. Would you pray for me? And not only that, but would you be my accountability partner? Would you help me with this thing? See, Samson, you study his life. The man didn't have partners in life. He didn't seem to have friends in life. The only friends he seemed to have were his mom and daddy, and they were codependent with him. The book of Acts tells an interesting story. Paul is preaching. He got long-winded. Preached past midnight one night. They were on the third floor of a, of a, of a house, and they didn't have windows, window panes like we have today. They had a window there and it was open and there was a man named Eutychus and he was leaning against the window and you remember the story, he fell asleep, he fell down three stories, he died, Paul went and prayed for him, raised him from the dead, thank God for that. But I read that and I always wonder, where were Eutychus' friends? Didn't he have anybody to say, hey buddy, you're snoring. Hey buddy, you got slobber coming down your mouth. Hey, man, you got some broccoli stuck in your teeth. You know, we need friends. I think about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. I, I love to read that when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. But then he says to Lazarus' friends, you loose him and let him go. Dear ones, it's not enough just to come forth. You also got to be loosed. And you need some friends that will help loose you. It's not enough just to get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and walking in God's grace and learning to live a sanctified life and trying to serve God's purposes in your generation. It's not enough. Dear ones, you got to have some people that are come around you who can see your blind spots that will help loose you and let you go. Romans chapter 16, the Apostle Paul is ending that great theological epistle. And in 16 verses, he names 34 people that he did life with. 34 people 
that he did ministry with. 34 people. See, while Paul was an amazing theologian, he knew that he needed people. He says, I'm a debtor to the Jew and also to the Greek. I think old Samson, he presumed on the grace of God. He just assumed, hey, God's anointing and power is always going to be mine. You remember this strength supernaturally would come upon him and he would win battles for Israel. He would often defeat the Philistines. But one morning he woke up and he had been in Delilah's bed and he woke up in that prostitute's bed and, and she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he says, I'll just shake myself. But he shook himself and there was no power. He had presumed on the grace of God. See, he confused the grace and the love of God with God's approval of his lifestyle. Hear that? He confused God's grace and his love with the approval of his lifestyle. But the Bible says that God's spirit won't always strive with man. The final thing about old Samson not only did he get ahead of God, but you never read about him praying. You read that whole story in the book of Judges about Samson. There's not any story about him praying until his last day. His very last day on earth, he had been bound and put in prison by the Philistines. They're having a festival in their temple. Thousands of people are in this big temple. Bring Samson out. We'll make fun of him. And they brought Samson out, and man, they're spitting on him and kicking him and treating him bad. And Samson tells the boy who's leading him, he says, just take me over to one of the pillars that supports this place. And he finally, finally praying, he says, God, just one more time. God, just one more time, may I have your power. And you'll remember, he began to move that pillar and the whole temple fell and he killed thousands and thousands of Philistines. Dear ones, I don't know what you think about it, but I read it and I think, why couldn't he have prayed and said, God, a hundred more times, a thousand more times. Well, Mary and Joseph got ahead of Jesus. In verse 45, it says, so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and at his answers. Dear ones, if, if, if you've lost your fellowship with the Lord, if the presence of the Lord doesn't seem real to you, I just want to suggest that you need to return to the place that you lost Jesus. They returned to the temple. And I want to say, just make a U-turn if necessary. Nobody is responsible for my life except me. If things aren't going well, I can't blame it on you. I can't blame it on our board. I can't blame it on our staff. It's my issue. Verse 48, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke 
to them. I, I believe, I just want to suggest to you that this was a paradigm shift for Mary and Joseph. The reason Mary remembered this story above all the other stories she could have shared, the, remember, the reason she remembered this story is because it was a massive paradigm shift. She and Joseph, they learned that not only was Jesus in subjection to them as their son, but that they had to be in subjection to Jesus as God become flesh. On this 28th day of December, are you in subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your life yielded? Are you yielding the right of way of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? I ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Norm is coming. Play the keyboard. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody moving, nobody talking. Let me just ask you, if you were to die today, do you have the assurance that you would wake up in heaven? Do you know that you know that you know that you would wake up in heaven? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. You may be a pretty good person compared to other people, but compared to Jesus, none of us are righteous. The Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Are you ready to stand before a holy God and give an answer for your life? Are your sins covered by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some of you might say, well, pastor, I, I've done that, but life's not been so good and I slipped away from the Lord. Pastor, I used to, I used to enjoy fellowship with Jesus, but something happened. And you know, maybe, maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you were betrayed by a business partner. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you've had a bankruptcy. Maybe you've been seriously ill and just out of commission for a while. I want you to know that Jesus says, come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden, my burden is light. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Today you say, Terrell, I, I, I want to have this relationship and I want to have this fellowship you're talking about with the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, know, I know that I need my sins forgiven and I need to make things right with God just with every head bowed every eye closed just slip up your hand and leave it up until I see it all over this house all over this house just lift your hand up and leave it up until I see it thank you thank you thank you, you can put your hand down anybody else yes thank you, you can put your hand down anybody else Terrell I need the Lord today I need the Lord today thank you Jesus Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? 
the stillness of this moment. Terrell, I need the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Pastor Zach to come and he's going to be standing right here at this corner of the platform. If you raised your hand, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and just tell the people that are beside you in the roads, just excuse me. I'm going to ask you to come down here and Pastor Zach's going to pray a prayer with you. And we've got some literature we want to give you that'll help you on your new life with Christ. You say, well, Pastor, couldn't I, couldn't I do this privately? Couldn't it just be between me and the Lord? Well, you know, Jesus said that if we acknowledge him before men, that he will acknowledge us before all of heaven. Everybody that Jesus ever called, he called publicly. And I think many people in this room have done this very thing. They've gotten up in front of others and said, you know what? I'd like to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to know the joy of sins forgiven. I want my heart to be in right relationship with him. So let me just encourage you just to stand up. Just stand up from where you're seated. We have three or four or five people raise your hand. Just come on down here and pray with Pastor Zach. In fact, let's just make it easy. Let's all stand right now. Let's all stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're with some more people, I'm sure they'll wait for you. We're not going to keep you a long, long time. But just come on down. Amen. I can tell you guys, heaven is rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's some more folks. There's some more that raised your hand. Let me just encourage you. Don't say another day. Don't say another time. You don't know when you might have another opportunity. I just encourage you to say yes to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just before we sing. This week I was meditating on Malachi chapter 3 about bringing all the tithes into the storehouse and I focused on I focused on one phrase God says I'm going to open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing there's not room enough to receive I'm going to open the windows of heaven for you I was driving down Monroe Street And I just begin to proclaim, Lord, I thank you that I've got an open heaven over my life. I thank you that Evangel Church has got an open heaven over 2300 Old Bainbridge Road. I thank you for the blessings of God. I thank you for the miracles of God. I thank you for the breakthroughs of God. I thank you for making a way where there doesn't appear to be a way. I thank you for an open heaven, Lord God. And I'm believing for an open heaven for the people of God throughout 2020. God, I thank you for an open heaven. Dear ones, here's what I'm asking you to do. As you go about your duties today, whether it's for lunch or you've got something else to do, I want you to look up to heaven and say, God, I thank you that I live under an open heaven. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're opening in the windows of heaven for me and you're pouring out a blessing. There's not room enough to receive. Can you receive that? In Jesus' name. If you can, let it be known by saying a hearty amen. Come on. Amen and amen and amen. Let's sing, Brother Norm. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. 
And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.